Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look ahead to what's likely to be making the news in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. This week, we'll be looking at where markets might be headed after the recent vicious share sell-offs, accompanied, of course, by a downward spiral in the oil price. And has the world's second largest economy really run out of steam? I'm joined by Harry Wilson, city editor of the Times, Deirdre Hipwell, our mergers and acquisitions correspondent, and Martin Waller, editor of the Times Tempest Shares column. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being here. Martin, let me start with you. From what we've seen so far this year, and certainly from the recent volatility, are we in a bear market? And if so, what is that? Or is this simply a stock market correction? Well, I'll tell you exactly where the stock market is going this year. It will either fall to some horrible Armageddon below sort of 5,000 on the FTSE, 4,000 or whatever. It will recover to six and a half, seven, or it will stay about where it is. That's an absolute forecast because nobody knows. These are very unusual and unsettled markets. I generally believe that we'll probably see the market around where it is at the moment, 5.7 on the FTSE, 100 by the end of the year. But you'll see an awful lot of very, very wide, violent gyrations up and downwards. People keep on citing China and hmm. it's, it's so important, the world's second largest economy, and if, if that slows any further. But their growth rates, what most economies, it would seem to us, would die for, isn't it? Well, I think what we're seeing is the classic case of risk on, risk off. What the market is doing is reacting, depending on how it feels on a given day, to the same set of numbers. They could be UK, uh, US farm payrolls, they could be US interest rates, they could be something out of China. And they're saying, do I feel happy today? Yes, I'll buy shares, or I do feel worried today. No, I'll sell shares. And the same data can elicit totally different reactions. Classic risk on risk off behaviour. But the Chinese authorities, people look to them for help, but they have in the past proved themselves quite willing to adopt what we might regard as Western methods of money printing, propping up different sectors. They're likely to do that again, aren't they? It's in their own interests. Well, they also tried to uh, shore up the stock market. Remind me how that happened. I think the issue with China, though, is um, it's more structural change that's happening as the country's kind of moving from kind of an export-led economy to one where domestic consumption is becoming key and if you just had to look at Unilever's figures today, Unilever gets more than, uh, sorry this week, gets more than uh, 60% of its revenue from emerging markets and China is a big one and Paul Polman, the chief exec was talking about there are at the moment dramatic shifts in consumer habits in China and that that takes some getting used to and in fact Unilever was one of the first of the big consumer groups to actually start destocking in China which all, a lot of its peers are following now so I think that is, it's more about how you're adapting to China in this new lower growth environment, but also as 
you know, its economy changes quite significantly. Harry, I was going to say, one of the things we talk about, people taking money out of emerging markets, and as Martin will say, in every crisis, they're quick enough to withdraw the big funds out of these economies, but the long-term damage they do means that it's quite a considerable amount of time, isn't it, before they regain their equilibrium from an investor point of view? Well, I think, I think what you're seeing at the moment with China is the, the death of a dream. Uh, since the 2008 financial crisis, the world's economy has pretty much been presupposed on two planks, one of which has been the extraordinary level of central bank government support given to the financial system and to, to markets. And the other has been basically China. China is, has embarked on an incredible stimulus program. And not only that, though, China is the dream on which many companies, many bankers have, have sold many investments. Chinese growth has literally been one of the most important things propelling the economy. Now what you're seeing these these flows of money pouring out of emerging markets, and that uh, has been exacerbated actually by the the oil price, given that some of the largest investors in these markets have actually been the sovereign wealth funds of many of the oil-rich kingdoms. So namely, Saudi Arabia's uh, main sovereign wealth fund is in the process of liquidating literally hundreds of billions of investments. And those flows coming out now, I think we're just starting to see the first evidence of what that looks like in terms of valuations on their support. Martin, of course, the, the trickle-down effect is that is for so many people who have unit or collective, a unit or investment trusts in these emerging markets that they've followed. Do you think it's wise to still have any exposure, given what Harry's just been saying, that this is going to go on for a while? I think you have to bear in mind that growth rate in China and start off with the slight proviso that do we believe the official numbers? That's another matter. But clearly the economy is still growing. People I talk to who are investing there are... are and I, of Deirdre mentions Unilever, I talked to them the other day, are saying, still saying it's a very large market, it's a fast-growing market. OK, there has been a shift away from infrastructure investment to consumption, but nonetheless, it's still the place to be. It's the second-largest economy in the world. Um, and I think, as ever these things, uh, it's a bit like the oil price. One day it will recover, no-one's quite sure when. And if you are out of that market when that happens, you are probably going to regret it. In terms of looking at the macro pictures of China, the global economy, I mean, slightly closer to home, but interest rates, they seem to be on hold. We've heard again recently from, from the governor, Mark Carney. What bearing does that have on the stock market in terms of, well, if you're getting nothing f in terms of nothing from your bank or your, your savings deposit, you've got to be in the market, haven't you? Yes, that's absolutely right. What's happened in this market, if you look at the, the, the FTSE share price graph, is whenever it's fallen below a certain level, 6,059, whatever, people have suddenly thought, hang on a second, that means the yield on this market is quite significant and we're not getting it anywhere else. The, currently, the market yields on a historic basis about 4.4%. On a forward basis, it's 4.8%, but I and no one else are sure how many dividend cuts from large companies are factored into that market. You can certainly say that you're getting 4.4. You are not getting that anywhere else. You're getting nothing like that. As you say, Carney's just pushed the next interest rate rise back to pastures unknown yet again. Um, people are coming back to the market when the market falls because they're getting a yield at those levels that they can't get anywhere else. Personally, the reason I, I, I believe the market will stay where it is with fluctuations is exactly that reason. Once you get down to 5.7, five, you start thinking, well, hang on a sec, the yield's gone up again. There are still a lot of very good high-yielding stocks with assured incomes that you can put your money into and you can earn 5% earn, earn, you know, or more on. People will say, what's wrong with that? I mean, looking, staying with the theme of, of <coughs> private investors, a great deal of interest, um, Harry, about the planned government uh, sell-off of more shares in Lloyds and, and Royal Bank of Scotland. Is this hiatus in the market 
correction bear whatever it is is that going to stall the plans or make any difference do you think uh undoubtedly uh we're only couple of weeks into the start of the new year but one thing I can tell you for certain is that the government has not sold a single share in Lloyd's since uh, since January the 1st and that's simply because the mandate for that legally requires the shares to be sold above break-even price so for one we can certainly say that what is going on at the moment or was going on uh, last year is not happening at the moment when we get into things like the retail offering of Lloyd's shares I think it's almost certain that that would have to be uh, delayed in some way if there isn't a radical improvement in the share price sometime in the next few weeks, given that Lloyd shares at the moment are 10p below where they were at the beginning of the year. And then on top of that, RBS, I think last year there was a bit of optimism that perhaps this was going to be a uh, the year where the government could finally start selling significant parts of the stake well if you look at the share price today around 250 that's almost 80p below where it was in august last year when they first sold them and it's more than two pounds 50 below the uh, just the break-even price for the taxpayer tough times for the treasury on that and deirdre looking at mergers and acquisitions for the moment we've got some big mergers around uh, not least royal dutch shell and, and bg group generally speaking you've been very busy covering all this in, in, the, in the biopharma and, and the health sectors both in america and here is that activity going to continue or will people simply back away as, as, as harry was saying they've done with lloyd's and, and royal bank of scotland it's simply too dangerous to go in well i don't think volatility like this helps wider confidence because obviously it, it makes people nervous and and if you're in contemplating or in the process of doing a deal which has a large share element and obviously you know that can be quite tricky to navigate but I don't actually think it will necessarily slow down M&A I think if your view on M&A is that companies doing it are looking for big strategic industrial transformations that's not necessarily predicated on what the stock price you know or the stock markets are doing from one day to the next in fact if it were you'd probably never get an M&A deal done in that case so I think the strategic drivers you know lower cost of capital you know that's still um, a factor and it, what about sectors I mean is, is it still biotech or is it uh, well that's any? certainly I mean last year obviously we hit a new high in M&A I think it was uh, depending on which source of data it was 4.3 trillion of M&A deals were done last year which is a new high and obviously the, the big sectors there were the pharmaceutical technology and I think that will continue and in fact um, this week in um, Davos the um, CEO of Sanofi which is a French pharma group actually said that they had just recruited a new head of M&A uh, former Morgan Stanley banker and he actually said that they were looking to do deals they want something that brings revenue that's secretive to earnings that has a pipeline that fits our strategic plan so I do think companies will be looking at M&A in a wider uh, period. I think the question might be is, it will, will, it de- will this current volatility delay any action over the next few weeks? Martin? I think the sector to watch here is oil, actually. Why? There was a deal done, well, <clears throat> well, there was a deal done very recently, for the last few days, by Premier Oil, which bought a whole load of assets for next to nothing in the North Sea. And uh, the, the seller was E.ON, the German utility, which was a fourth seller, wanted to get out quite quickly, and they got a good deal. Oil companies are beginning to spot the bottom. I'm beginning to wonder, as I said earlier, whether it's too late, if you wait for another few months, to, to catch the bottom of the oil price. Now, again, I don't know where the oil price is going to be next year. But my, my sense, and I could easily be wrong, is that we have beginning to hit as low as it's going to get, in which case now is the time to buy assets. There's movement in that sector. People are moving around. People are looking at it. People are thinking about it. And that's one worth watching, I think. Harry, do you think we've seen the bottom of the oil market yet? Yeah, you look at it every day, like, like Martin. 
Uh, well, it's hard to see that it could go that much lower. I mean, uh, we're only if it drops another thirty dollars, you're into them paying you us for oil. I mean, it's is I it think, the glut? Is it the fact that the you know Saudi Arabia and OPEC, if you like, are trying to flood the US, force the US shale producers out of out of business? Well, there's, there's, there's no sign that Saudi Arabia is about to change course. And if anything, when you see the interview that uh, the Crown Prince gave uh, in December to the Economist, uh, what you see there is very clearly intent to stay the course. Not only that, but uh, they're looking at other ways of plugging their deficits, including this IPO of Aramco. So, so no, it doesn't, it doesn't look like that's going to change any time. In fact, when you look at uh, Iranian oil coming onto the market very soon, you know, there are grounds to think it could go lower. But um, whether it will uh, stay at that level for any significant period of time, because obviously the Saudis' end goal here is to force a bunch of people out of the market and then to lift up prices at some point in the future, when all these producers obviously have cut curtailed capacity or gone bust. So uh, invariably will rise at some point. Calling when that is, I think, is uh, far beyond uh, my pay grade. And Martin? Markets always overreact, the first rule of studying markets. At some stage, the oil price will bounce. And when it bounces, it bounces quite quickly, I think, for the fa- for reasons that, that, that Harry's mentioned. As, as some, one oil producer said to me the other day, perhaps I'm being a little bit optimistic, it only takes one missaned missile to turn the market around. I mean, events impact the oil market, we know that. Um, I think I agree with Harry, I think we just about got to a stage and we can't see it going a lot cheaper, though it was $10 less than a decade ago, if you remember. I do remember. Happy but days. I just, not, I just don't quite see how it can go a lot, a lot lower. And if that is the case, then people are going to start building their positions for it to rise, and then it will rise quite quickly when it does. Harry is right. No one's going to say when. Finally, given everything that we, we've, the ground we've gone over, a lot of people are still understandably worried about their portfolios and, and what makes sense in these times that... With that in mind, I was going to ask, starting with you, Deirdre, what would you say is, there's nothing like a safe haven, is there really, but where would you think is a prudent place to be looking at at the moment for for investors? Well, a lot of people I talk to think, you know, if we're talking about stocks, that GSK would be, that's GlaxoSmithKline, would be a good choice because it has US earnings coming through. It's relatively insulated from the oil price shenanigans and it hasn't performed terribly well and so it could be an outperformer in the future so that would be one also because a lot of M&A bankers I speak to think that European pharma companies are going to have to start doing some big strategic deals because they've been kind of left in the wake by their American peers who seem to be doing a blockbuster M&A deal every other week so you might see some action there although obviously um, Andrew Whitty the CEO of GSK has always made it clear he's not in thinking about big strategic M&A, but I think GSK could be a good bet. Martin, you look at these on a daily basis, these companies, you offer a buy, sell or hold uh, ticker to them. What's your choice? I go back to yield. And again, if you're looking at a company with pretty much assured income and offering a high yield, it it places a, a support mechanism under the price. There's no logical reason why someone at National Grid or one of the utilities like United Utilities, the two water companies, Seven Trent. Uh, I agree with with Deirdre on, on GlaxoSmithKline and to a lesser extent AstraZeneca. Again, look at the tobacco companies, classic safe havens in difficult times, offering a decent yield. If you have that sort of income, then investors will buy in these difficult markets, and that seems logical to me. Um, the interesting point I will also make is a couple of other companies I quite like. DS Smith, the packaging group I tipped at the beginning of the year, they, they, they just keep growing earnings, whatever happens. They're really insulated from macroeconomic trends and I like Whitbread also in particular I like Unilever 
again, who seem to be very good at outperforming difficult markets. Um, I would point to BG again. I, I think Shell will buy it. I think BG is a cheap way into Shell, and I think the Shell dividend, uh, the Shell shares are yielding more than 10%, is assured for the current year. That's an interesting point to make. All right, thank you, Martin. And Harry, you? Well, I, th- I think you're not going to get any better stock tips than those you've got from uh, Deirdre and Martin, so I'd, I'd, I'd look sort of slightly further afield. I think uh, it's just interesting to see there's been a slight nudge up in gold recently, and gold... Uh, in previous years had soared, but today is is actually sitting, well, relatively cheap. I'd also be looking at US Treasuries again. There seems to be, in all these times of trouble, Treasuries are always the sort of the ultimate cliched safe haven. But again, the money flows are showing back there. And uh, sometimes following the herd on these matters uh, isn't such a bad thing. And I I suppose finally, uh, good corporate debt, good solid corporate debt of good uh, solid companies. Um, I would have, I would have once said VW, but I'm not sure if that's such a sound bet these days. But uh, but companies of that ilk. Okay. Well, thank you all very much for that. There's lots there to think about. And uh, remember, you can keep up to date with uh, all the writings of of our contributors. That's online on our website, along with all the news. And if you are a Times subscriber, you can sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime emails. If you don't have a subscription at one pound off, a special offer still there. Go to thetimes.co.uk. And if you want to hear us weekly you can subscribe through itunes my thanks to harry wilson deirdre hipwell and martin waller top tipsters all of them they're on twitter so do follow them please we'll be back next week thanks for listening thank you for downloading to discover more head to thetimes.co.uk even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.